I think the greatest spiritual challenge in our day and age is to make ourselves available. We just need to be available to building friendship with God Hmm. and relationship with Him in a consistent, everyday way. And I think the main narrative in our lives right now always seems to be about busyness, you know, schedules and events, and I got to see this and that and, you know, all of that. And so unless we establish an alternative way of doing day-to-day living, we are on our way to being overwhelmed by all the demands and distractions of the world. So if we don't slow down, and that's one of the big takeaways, if you will, enough to foster our friendship and relationship with God, we will lose our way. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, welcome back indeed. I hope your day or week is going well, going great. I've had a great week all last week. I Maybe you heard me talk about this on the last episode, or if you're getting my weekly emails, uh, with my with Team K, with the family, and did a whole lot of fishing uh, with the grandsons. Uh, my two oldest are six and five, and they've just decided they are fishermen, and they are falling in love with it, and it is a blast to watch the whole thing. But even better than that, uh, I was able to check off from my bucket list an item today. It was just a little before the recording of this episode. I caught my very first ever salmon. Yeah, I actually didn't know if I'd ever catch one. I've come close. Uh, There's some sad stories of, you know, a friend who's slow with a net and things like that as I was pulling salmon into the boat and all that in the past. But um, And I even grew up in Waukegan, Illinois, which is the freshwater salmon capital of the world. And I fished for salmon shoulder to shoulder with zillions of people who caught lots of them. But until today, I never was able to catch my own salmon. So I caught a nice-sized pink salmon. It was beautiful. Tina and I have already been eating some of it. So anyway, uh, it was great. It's been a great week, and I'm just thankful to God for some of the cool things that we get to do as a family and with others. I was doing uh, actually fishing today. When I caught that salmon, a person of peace in my life took me out and set me up and just really blessed me, and he took care of all the setup and cleaning the fish. It was just, it was great. So anyway, grateful for that. Hey, let me read another review that came in here in the last few weeks. This one came in from, it says, Oz Robinson. And the headline there is, Incredible Show with Incredibly Insightful Information. Well, thank you very much. And another great five-star review. Thank you so much. He says, I help manage a business that has struggled with leadership development. I came across this show and the episode discussing the mall process. Mall's an acronym. Maybe you heard that episode on model, assist, watch, and then leave. And and he says, so I I heard that episode on the mall process, and I've been blown away by its simplicity and its effectiveness. The big three are especially helpful to leave with a concise conclusion. Thanks, brother. So that's great. I'm glad that you're not only using that in your personal life and disciple-making and all, but you're also porting that over into business and your job and all that. So beautiful. Thanks for that glowing review. I appreciate that. Again, when you leave reviews, wherever you leave them, 
and this one came in through Apple Podcasts. It helps uh, the algorithms share this with more people, but also as people go like, well, what's this show about? It's not just the description we put up. It's from you. So if you're enjoying the show, I appreciate that. Wherever you can leave a review, take that 30 whole seconds and please do that. It really blesses us. And you might even have your review read on the podcast. Okay, I'd appreciate that. All right. Um, now, today we'll be talking about discipleship. Yeah, no kidding. And some of the challenges that the church is facing today. And we'll be talking about it from a pretty high level. Things like, can you really be a Christian and not be a disciple of Jesus? Not everybody agrees on this, but we're going to talk about that. And disciples make disciples, by the way. So if you'd say, well, I think I'm a disciple, but uh, are you making disciples? Hmm. Here's the thing. We'll also be sharing a super practical tool with you that's brand new. I'm really excited about it. I'm joined by two really smart guys. And they're godly men. They've written a new playbook, actually. We'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, a playbook for disciple making with others. And it's called Made for More. And it was written by Dr. Kent Engel and Steve Saccone. And Kent Engel serves as the president of Southeastern University down in Lakeland, Florida. This guy's really a great guy, a real smart guy. And he is passionate about educating and preparing others for Christ-centered leadership and service. You're going to hear that. You're going to feel that. I'm going to bring them on in just a minute. He's the author of several leadership books, and he's also a frequent columnist for Fox News, Newsmax, and Influence Magazine. You're going to love this guy. He's very articulate and got some cool things to share with us today. And then also Steve Saccone. He's also a teacher and a pioneer in the field of leadership development. For more than two decades, he has served and partnered with churches nationwide to design and launch innovative new leadership development programs. Also an author, written several books, including Relational Intelligence, and one of my favorites, really a great book called Talking About God, Honest Conversations about spirituality. So if you're the note-taking type of person, let me give you the link to their new book that we're going to mention coming up here right, right up front. Let me just give you the link, okay? Because I know you're going to want this. So you can get their new book, Made for More, by going to missiopublishing.com, M-I-S-S-I-O publishing.com, and you'll look under books. You'll see it there. It'll be easy to find. Or even easier, here's our little quick link. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash made for more. It's all one word. There's no spaces or hyphens, just everydaydisciple.com forward slash made for more. All right. Now let me bring Dr. Engel and Steve Saccone on. I am so excited to have you both on. It's been like trying to get the plants to align a little bit, right? To get all the schedules. <laughs> sure. You're both very, very busy. And uh, we've got the semi-world famous, if not truly world famous, Kent Engel with us today. Steve, you and I are old buds. We're just kind of normal guys, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but we have all written lots of books and discipleship and making disciples who actually make disciples as the calling is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. And so I'm really excited to talk about this and to talk about a book that you've got coming out. I think the day this, this podcast drops will be the actual official release date for this book called Made for More. I am really excited, just going to say up front, for the book coming out finally been uh, a lot of work you guys have put into it. And as I've had the pleasure of being able to be connected to that and some of the edits and all, I'm really, really excited for people to get their hands on that and more excited to see them start using that. All right. So start off on the left foot, I guess. Let's, let's start a little bit about how discipleship is or isn't happening in much of the church today. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And 
maybe the effects that a lack of intentional discipleship in community is having or has had on the church and Christians overall. I think in the church, there's a gap between, you know, we even use the language of believers in the church, but there's a gap between there's a lot of Christians and not as many disciples. So you can be a Christian without being a disciple. So it's like yeah. the, the, the book is, is in large part about, okay, how, what, what does that mean to really be a disciple and a disciple maker, which really go hand in hand. And so, you know, Jesus comes alongside and, and, and he wants us to, and invites us to believe in him. And that's an important foundation for our faith, but it's, it's more that he's calling us to. When he says, I don't want you to just be a believer. I want you to be a follower. He says, follow me. And so then the question, okay, what is he really inviting us into? Right. What, what life, and it's a life of transformation. It's, it's what he described as life to the fullest or the abundant life. So it's like, what is that life and how do we experience that life? And I think that's in large part, what's often missing in Christians, everyday Christians or or churches, and that's that's our passion and heart to help people discover that and really not allow there to be quite as much gap. There's a great quote in the book that says a lot of what you just said there. It says, uh, somewhere along the way, we have mistakenly made it acceptable in the church to be a Christian, but not a disciple. Wow. What do you think's led to this? How do we lose the only mission that Jesus gave the church? I think there's the idea that in life, we can be convinced of something, but fail to be committed to something, and in mm. this case, someone. So we, we know how this works. Take it out of the faith realm, and we probably are all convinced that eating healthy is a good thing, right? That we should eat healthier, right? And so, or we should exercise, right? It's like, but are we really committed to doing that, right? That's a whole different conversation. Or, you know, um, flossing your teeth. I'm guilty of not flossing as much as the dentist tells me to, right? It's like, I'm convinced flossing works or it's important, but do I really do it? You know, so I think, I think it's a heart issue at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's a difficult journey. Uh, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, deny yourself. He says right before that, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So it's this daily journey, right? Everyday disciple, you talk much about this. It's this daily journey of the denial of self, of of our desires, ambitions are really secondary to the God-centered life. And there's kind of lots that emerge from that. But Jesus offers us the best way to be human. And though we might be convinced of that, we're not yeah. committed to making that a reality and really believing that all the way through. Yeah. And there's a Greek word that we translate the way. It literally means a teaching in the most comprehensive sense. And another definition, it's just a, another definition, it's just a whole way of life. And when you study the early believers who followed the way, who followed Jesus and became more like him to literally perpetuate who Christ was and is and continues to this day, you know, it, it wasn't just a, a belief, you know, about, oh, this is what we got to do to get into heaven. It was a literal way of life every single day. It was a rhythm. It was a discipline. It was always being self-aware, knowing how to manage every single day where you truly reflected who Jesus is all about and was. And, and so I think it's just a way of doing, being, serving, loving, becoming that literally will create transformation. The subtitle of the book is Being Disciples, Making Disciples. So perfect, <laughs> perfect. But right. that implies something, because being a disciple, I think, Kent, that's what you were just talking about, and the 
both of you and, and the overarching nature of that being our life, our lifestyle, we're, we're trading in our life for his life. And that's how he gets glorified, which is the whole point of this. Let me hear a little bit about how you were discipled. Who comes to mind in your life where you go, not just taught you a bunch of head knowledge, but really came alongside, discipled you so that it did for you like it has for me and my family, became part of your lifestyle and, and a daily thing, not just something, you know, our afterlife upgrade that we checked the box on. Who discipled you and, and how did that affect your own discipleship? Well, I have a list of people, but I'll name one or two. And and I think some of discipleship of me happened when I didn't know it was happening, <laughs> first off, right? So it's like, there's a, a guy and still a longtime friend, really a mentor named Marty. And and I walked into a church one day, and the sum of the story is he, he basically kind of put his arm around my shoulder and started investing in me. He would uh, say, hey, come over for dinner next week, you know, and we'd be having dinner. It's like, I didn't know I was being discipled, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, he helped. He asked me questions uh, that helped ultimately me discovering a calling that I had to what I would call vocational ministry. And that's played out in all different ways. You know, I look back, I'm already and he believed in me, you know, mm. and and I was experiencing that firsthand. I, I think of someone else who discipled me, uh, a lady named Cheryl, which was like in my early 20s. And um, she was more like kind of a a deeper journey. She she took me on this journey of of reflection about my family history and the junk in my life and mm. the emotional unhealth of my life and the brokenness that was everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and the way that she engaged with me uh, was in all different ways. Whether it was like giving me a sign assignment to read a book and come back when you've read the whole book, right? And we'd come back and. You know, we read like a Henry Cloud book, Changes That Heal, right? It's like, man, that was like, that wrecked me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the book I give people when they can't afford counseling. Right? It's like, but then she would process that all through me. And so that was kind of like some of the deeper journey stuff. And and one more quick one is is people that, uh, I had a few people that discipled me in kind of spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. Mm. One of them was a peer. It was a roommate in college that introduced me to really the whole idea I mean, I knew about like reading the Bible and praying. I'm supposed to do that, but there's other spiritual practices that I've latched onto, you could say, that have helped me experience God in, in a whole different way. So those are a few examples. There's yeah. a bunch of that in the book, too. It's part of what I love about it. It's not, here's a book about discipleship. So here's the 12 things you must learn about the Bible and God. You know, it, it really does take it down to that much more daily practice, relational practice understanding. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Kent, yeah. how about you? Well, I can go back to when I was in high school uh, and the church that I attended, uh, I'll never forget on a Sunday, uh, my pastor saw me in the in the hallway and said, hey, Kent, I've watched, I've been watching your life and, and, and I can tell that you have some, some gifts in your life. Uh, he says, I really see a gift of leadership. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, I'm just in high school. You know, I'm thinking, wow, he, he, somewhat he noticed and he took, and he said, I tell you what, let's talk to your parents. I'd love to have you come down one day a week. And, and I just want to invest in your life. And so we ended up, I'd come down one day a week and, and just practical things he would do. He'd take me on hospital calls and, and visits. And he showed me how he prepared his weekly messages and, and things like that. But one of the things he taught me, and this is the very first time I ever heard the concept divine design about how God has uniquely made you. And he has a specific plan for your life and a specific purpose. And he said this to mm -hmm. me that I'll never forget. And from that day forward, 
I begin to apply that in a practical way in my life. He said, if you will always follow your design, you will always be doing something that is filled with great fulfillment and value and significance, and God will use you to make a difference. And, and I said, well, how, how do you do that? And, and then he just walked through things like, you know, take time to really reflect on what are you passionate about? What are things that you enjoy doing? If you constantly do that, it's going to help you to know maybe things that you can step into and do and try. And he said, look at your gifts. You know, you know, there's all kinds of gift tests and things like that that can kind of give you an indication. And he said, by the way, he said, God can change your gifts at any given season or any given time. So mm. you want to make sure you have a way to, well, what is going on in my life right now? What kind of gifts do I, I have at the moment? Uh, he taught me how to look at experiences, bad, difficult, good, spiritual, you know, all those things, because those experiences Oftentimes, God leads or allows in your life because he's shaping you to to make an impact. And again, going back to what the title of the book is, Made for More, because he's always making and using you for so much more than you can imagine. And so I just remember utilizing that in my life. And, you know, he always talked about, think about the people that, that God puts in your pathway, even on a daily basis. Who, who did you talk to today? What, what were the conversations about? What can you learn from it? And so out of that, that began to shape my life in such a way that as I begin to move through different catalytic events in my life, I could see how God was speaking to me or how God was changing me or how he was transforming me when opportunities came up for, you know, vocational work. I could say yes or no pretty much immediate because I had built in a system that allowed me a framework that allowed me to really know who I am and the way God designed me. And that's a continual process. And that's why we say this is a day-by-day journey. It's not just a one-time event or acquisition of certain knowledge and that's it. You No, you you're learning, discovering, developing every single day to to really live the full potential that God's made you for. Wow, I love that. And that all sounds so familiar to our listeners, I'll bet, because <laughs> we're like reading the same emails here or drinking the same uh, water. But uh, I think that we underestimate uh, a lot of things when it comes to discipleship, the way you guys just both described, and we're fortunate enough to have experienced and time is a big one of those. This takes time. Everything Absolutely. you described was people right. giving you time, not the 101, 201, 301, 401 class, and now you're discipled. Because you, you made three of those at least, right? All right, pretty good job. You know, now boom, <laughs> you're discipled. That, this takes time. This really, really does. What are some other things you think that, that are commonly misunderstood or underestimated when it comes to truly making a disciple in all of life that's going to make more disciples? Well, I, I think first and foremost, when, when I think of discipleship, and, and really I think what we convey in this book, it is relational. Discipleship is a relational aspect of how you do life with people. I mean, nothing is accomplished without people working together, uh, you know, building relationships. And, and, and so it, first and foremost, it's, it's your discipline in, in, man, spending time with Jesus, you know, every day creating kind of the things that help you to be aware of, of his truth and how that truth shapes your 
call and and your purpose and your meaning and then and then doing it with people because then God puts people in your pathway in a relational way that will guide you and encourage you and inform you. I mean, I, I remember when, you know, I spent my first 10 years career in television, sports, and and all of a sudden through a catalytic event, probably one of the most difficult events that took place in my life, God spoke to me about a call into ministry leadership. And I'll never forget, again, another mentoring pastor calls me up out of the blue, doesn't know anything about what I'm going through at this time in my life or how God's dealing with me. And he calls me out of the blue, but it came out of relationship. He said, God's speaking to you about going into ministry. How did he know that? God was using him to guide me and shape me, but it was relationship. And that's why to me, it's so important that you understand relational dynamics. uh, And that's to me significant in being a true disciple of Christ. So that's another element. And then, I mean, you you could go into disciplines. I mean, all kinds of things that help to create that. Yeah. And I, I have been drawn even recently to the idea when, when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Now, if you really think about that and get honest with that, that's a little bit scary, right? You're saying, Hey, if you want to learn to follow Christ, follow me and I'll take you there. Right. It's like, well, How arrogant like, no. of him to say that. <laughs> right, <You're> exactly. Right. <laughs> that's kind of initially maybe what it looks like. But but what that's done in my own life, and this is, I think, an unrest, it's like, it's like I realize in my better moments, it kind of revolves around the word dependence, that how dependent I need to be on God. Because I'm not really saying follow me. I'm, fo- I'm really saying follow me in my attempt and striving to follow Jesus. I'm going to mess up, but I'll take you along with me. And we'll kind of journey together. And I'm going to share some of my own struggles and vulnerabilities too. And hopefully you will too. And it becomes this relational journey that I'm not arrogant to say like, oh, I got it all figured out. That's not the heart, obviously, of that phrase or verse or or what you're even saying. So I think that's underestimated. People get intimidated by that. They have fears about that. They, you know, they believe certain sort of audio tracks in their mind that they shouldn't do that. But that is the way of discipleship, right? That we're, yeah. yeah, we're following Jesus, but like we're doing this in community. And so some people are going to invest in us and help us to be, you know, better disciples, so to speak. And we're doing the same for others. And that that is the journey. And And the last thing I'll say about that is it takes me also to the place over and over again and reminds me of the discipleship and in its essence is about who we're becoming. And if we're not in if we're not in pursuit of becoming the right kind of person, maybe we don't need to be saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Again, that's not perfection, hmm. but that's, yeah. we're in learning mode. We're in humility mode. We're in, we're, we're teachable. We're, we're truly following Christ with devotion and passion and, and it's all consuming. It's, it's who we are. It's how we live. And, and we're seeing evidence of the fruit and, and the transformation that God is doing. And that's what we're kind of saying. Hey, look, God's working in my life. He can work in yours too. Yeah. Paul also I, said, I'm sorry, Kent, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, it's also essential, I think, to understand, and, and it, we talk about it, how to live in the grace of God. Because discipleship is, is that awareness uh, that our life is not based on performance or even, even morality, but it's a life rooted in the gospel of grace yeah. and how God leads us as a human longing to be more like him, reflecting 
you know, like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, uh, self-control, the things that are so important to model and lead people in, you know, humility. You mentioned, I mean, all those things that are are so important in that relational dynamic that creates that sense of growth, change, and transformation. I often wonder in church, in preaching, in Christian life that's somewhat segmented to maybe a couple hours a week largely, how much we miss that grace, Ken. Right. That this is a life of grace from every heartbeat forward because right. we don't really even fully know why they keep beating, right? Because <laughs> you know, of God's grace. But to notice and practice, we do this in our family, we do this in, in our communities, the people we coach, we actually rehearse, we share evidences of that grace. You know, Jesus right. taught his disciples, and they said, hey, teach us to pray. He goes, okay, first off, it's Father, so that's relational, <laughs> and right. it's communal, because Father, we're same Father, so we're family. But then he goes, ask him that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what's it right. like in heaven? It's full of grace, it's perfect, it's generous, it's close to him, it's open. There's no fear. We get to expect that now, Jesus said. Yeah. yeah. He didn't say, well, beg dad for that, but that won't be until after you die. Right. No, that's not what he says. And that's not what they experienced with him. So I think we do miss that, that, that grace life. Hey, let me, let me, if it's okay, let me dive us deep into the book a little bit here. We've been kind of glancing off of it, but I'm really intrigued by parts of it. And this is really a, a playbook. We even Missio publisher calls it a playbook. It's really a guide. It's quite unique. Uh, I mentioned earlier. That's what I love about it. It's not just here's a bunch of stuff to know about the Bible, or you know, here's how long your quiet time should be, or <laughs> it's way beyond yeah. that. What could a reader? What will readers of Made for More anticipate or expect as they move through the book? This thing's laid out a little bit differently. Just give us a quick overview, if you wouldn't mind. The book is laid out uniquely in that there's uh, there's six chapters, and in each chapter there's seven essentially readings or activities, you could say. So like day one is preparation, day two is study, day three is change. So day three, for example, is is what needs to change in your life. Now you've prepared your heart and the theme, you've, you've studied it, you've meditated on it, maybe there's a Greek word in there, you're doing a little deeper Bible study. By day three, you're like, all right, what needs to change in my heart, in my life? Day four is about action. So there's always something to do. Discipleship is about, all right, what are we going to apply, right? This is just about gaining knowledge. Feet on and the ground day, with that. Yeah, yeah. And then day five is called community. So we want this not to just be a, an experience or a book that somebody goes through as an individual. We want other people to be part of it. So we encourage people as they read uh, to dive in with others, right? You're reading it together. You're meeting maybe once a week if that works in your rhythm. And then, then you go to day six, and it's kind of a refocus, and day seven is what we call rest. But you're, you're carving out 15 or 20 minutes in a given day. And, you know, we, we all have read books, and we read one chapter one month and two the next, and then six months later we pick it up again. Yeah. And I get that. I've done that too, you know. But our hope and desire for this book as people walk through it is that they would dive deep for six weeks and and really enter in in a way with community and in in all the different aspects of discipleship that are woven into the book. So there's a lot of intentionality. There's structure. Not everyone's like super structured like that, but we want to be intentional with everything we do as people kind of work through the content. And our hope is ultimately that people do experience transformation, that maybe even God surprises them uh, as, as God speaks to them and they encounter God. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you will give yourself to this process from practically speaking, if you do it for every day for six weeks, I mean, after 42 days of applying what you're, you know, you're learning, we think you will experience change. You'll see significant growth. And I think as you study the word, it's the promise of the scriptures. It's the longing and the hope for for uh, your relationship with Jesus to be incredible, powerful. And then that translates to how you you serve others and and impact their lives. Uh, So, yeah. So when you think about it, it's all about preparation. It's study. It's change. It's action. It's community. It's focus. And it's rest in who you are in Christ and what he's made you uh, for. Those sound like beautiful spiritual disciplines to me or rhythms. They really do right there. And, and I, I, I know there's going to be some people going, well, they're trying to sell a book here. It's going to tra- transform <laughs> your life in 42 days. But, but hold on a second. You know, it's been said that if you want to create new habits, you, gotta, you, you need to apply right. yourself, give right. yourself in faith and trust for 30 days is what they usually say. So this is a little bit longer than that. But also, I would want to challenge our regular listeners to say, hey, have you never been on a weekend retreat where you feel like that was a life-changing right. couple of days? Or have you ever been on a missions trip, gone out in the field for seven days, 12 days, whatever, and come back and you're very different, like your commitment, some understanding of who God's made you to be and what your purpose is and and his grace for you? Of course you can. And I just want to challenge folks to to trust this process. These, These weeks have all been very meticulously thought out. There's questions, there's journaling, it goes deeper, there's rest, there's community. If you'll give yourself to that with a handful of other people, you will, I, I know that God will move in that and you will not only experience personal transformation, but you're going to be helping others do that as well and right. set up some new rhythms that I hope, uh, I believe, can continue on into the rest of your life together and as a family and as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So this first chapter, the first week is called An Unusual Choice. And by the way, I love the chapter titles. The whole posture with which you've written it made for more is beautiful. I mean, I don't know that we're going to have time to go through each of these weeks, but, uh, you know, the first week's called An Unusual Choice, and the second one's An Unwavering Connection, An Uncommon Pursuit, An Unexpected Calling, and, on, and it's just, I love it. And it's, oh, it just gripped my heart right from the get-go. But uh, that first week seems to set the foundation for the rest of the book, that unusual choice. What's that foundation? Yeah, the foundation really of the whole book is really founded in the first century culture where Jesus stepped into. He embraced some aspects of the discipleship culture that that existed with rabbis and and students or disciples. But then he flipped some of it upside down. And so uh, he came along and, you know, we go more elaborately in the first chapter in this, but just a quick snapshot. It's like the culture, you had to kind of earn your way with the rabbi so that you could become one of the students of that rabbi. So you were trying to prove yourself to him. You were, you know, and, and he wanted the best of the best, right? Well, Jesus came and one aspect that he flipped upside down is like, no, 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 that's not the way I'm going to go about being a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And he was a rabbi. He was other things too. He was the risen savior. He was the Christ. He was the Messiah, but he was a rabbi, a teacher, right? And so he went to what, what many would say are not the ideals, <laughs> right? They're the, the misfits, the, the, the tax collector. And he, he believed in those people and called them 
to change or to be changed, really, you could say. And so that's really the foundation of the book, that Jesus came in. And, and what we need to understand for us and where we take our reader is understanding when he said, follow me, he chose them. They were an unlikely choice. Okay, they yeah. weren't the they weren't most likely they had not been selected by other rabbis in that culture. I like to call uh, them the twelve knuckleheads. Just read <laughs> the, the rest of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he chose those knuckleheads and he said, I want you to follow me and I'm gonna make you into something. I'm gonna make you fishers of man. I'm I wanna invite you into a, a different way to live. And of course we all know that Jesus took those twelve and flipped the world then upside down, you could say, and created not only transformation in their life created transformation in the world, in that culture, and really in human history. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the greatest spiritual challenge in our day and age is to make ourselves available. We just need to be available to building friendship with God hmm. and relationship with Him in a consistent, everyday way. And I think the main narrative in our lives right now always seems to be about busyness, you know, schedules yeah. and events and I got to see this and that and, you know, all of that. And and so unless we establish an alternative way of doing day-to-day -day living, we are on our way to being overwhelmed by all the demands and distractions of the world. So if we don't slow down, and, I, and, and that's one of the big takeaways, if you will, enough to foster our friendship and relationship with God, we will lose our way. No matter what our commitment is, we say, oh, yeah, yeah I want to make sure I... But it's actually that day-by-day, -day, you know, rhythm of, of man, I, I just need to listen, discern, soak in, um, reflect uh, enough in a way that every day I can build and get closer to Jesus and what he wants to say to me and what he wants to do with my life and how he wants to use me and how he wants to build relationships or, you know, around me. And, and so, yeah, this is why discipline is so important. And we talk a lot about discipline in this book in terms of how we follow Jesus and, and get to know him. So yeah, that's important too. It's a little convicting there, Kent. It's a, it's a little convicting <laughs> because I think we make, we make a commitment to, or a connection, a deeper connection to, and feel, oh, I'm so committed. But it ultimately, I'll just speak honestly, sometimes I do a hard assessment, maybe like I'm doing while I'm listening to you right now, and I go, has my commitment to Christ shifted to a commitment to ministry busyness sure, or a right. commitment to church attendance or uh, serving in the men's ministry or children's ministry? Hey, we've been doing children's ministry longer than anybody. Jewels in our crown, you know, And but where's your heart? And it, do you still, are you giving the time for that relationship, that commitment to deepen? And I, I'll be honest, I, I, I slip on and off that path. I, I really, really do. But I don't know how to be a disciple without that. You know? Right, right, exactly. It just becomes a head. It becomes a mental ascent to a bunch of stuff. Yeah, kind of like the flossing thing, Steve. You know, <laughs> you know, I, you know yeah. I think of like the concept of prayer. You know, I think sometimes we get it wrong. Oh, we've got to create a certain time for prayer or we've even how we posture ourselves in prayer or prayer is, is simply it's in my, in my life, how I've been able to grow and be discipled in it is it's just a frame of mind. It's a, I mean, I'm constantly thinking it's practicing the presence of Jesus, wherever you go, whatever Brother you're Lawrence. doing. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking when I'm walking or even in the midst of a conversation with someone, I'm, I'm thinking to my head, okay, Jesus help me to 
you know, respond to, to, to encourage to, it's just a constant. And to me, and that's when I think of pray without ceasing, I mean, it's, you know, that's what it's all about. And that's a, that's a way to get close to Jesus. And I I resonate with that. Two words that I carry with me as a disciple are, you said one of them are, are, can I be attentive to God and responsive to what he's doing, right? I'm attentive to God's voice or his activity in my own heart, in my own life, but also all around me. And then how am I going to respond to what he's saying or doing or what I sense or maybe an opportunity I need to step into? So if I can live attentive to him, his presence and responsive to him, even when I mess up and I do, and we all do, and we're human, yeah. that makes part of what makes us human. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to be attentive to God. What is God saying? Because I used to get so mad at myself. Like, you mess up. Maybe I do sometimes. Still, it's like we think very you know, highly I, of ourselves. I, you know? <laughs> yeah, we do. Right? It's called ego. Yeah, right? It's like, but I get irritable at my son, and I yell at him, and I get too harsh with him. Let's say, right? It's like, oh, you know. And then I'm like, oh, why did I do that? You know, it's like you can easily go down like a shame trail. It's like, and we got to all kind of wrestle with that and deal with that. But in my better moments, I say, I say, God, I want to invite you into that, yeah. right? Rather yeah. than push God away, which is kind of our tendency sometimes when we mess up right, or sin, it's like, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to do to me? What does that reveal about what maybe needs to change in my heart or in my life? And I think that's helpful to me. And we're here talking about Made for More today, but I read a book called The Cure, who we love, and in it, they give an illustration of when you see the pile of your sin in your life, you know, even if you see it, well, it's mostly behind or whatever, which side of that sin pile are you on and which side's Jesus on? And if you see him on the other side, you're missing it. You don't understand yeah. grace yet. Yeah. He's on the same yeah. side with you, like what you're just saying there, Steve. Right. Yeah. To get to instead of hide from him for a week or two to prove you're a good dad, <laughs> invite yeah. him into right. that bad parenting moment and right. be responsive to that. Uh, a mentor in my life. You were talking about the people who mentored and discipled you, Pastor Johnny uh, Jenkins and his wife Ruth. They took my wife and I and our kids all under their wing and did this real time with us. And he taught us so much about that. He said, if you're going to parent well and you're going to disciple your kids in that parenting, because guess what? That's your best opportunity. You're going to do an awful lot of seeking your kids' forgiveness and bring them into that process so they, in turn, learn how to do the same. And they don't fear God or he's, oh, he's ticked now. That means I won't, you know, I won't get a hit at the baseball game or I won't get that raise or that sale or whatever, you know. And uh, he's, no, he's on the same side with us. He already knew and already forgave that and died for that sin. So. Um, let's have that relational, that relationship. Right. Yeah. So well, I would love to be able to just unpack every chapter, but that's what the book is for. Um, I've already said how much I, I love the posture of that. Before we start to put a wrap up on this, is there any one thing, let me just real quick, I, you know, it was unusual choice, an unwavering connection, an uncommon pursuit. That's week three, an unexpected calling week four, an unselfish heart week five, and then an unstoppable mission week six. Any little last minute notes or just like real quick, let me just put a word about one of those before we start to wrap up. Well, for me, it's, I hope that it will build that relational focus on how to live differently by applying what is learned, because you can be committed to learning and be a lifelong learner, but you want to take what you're learning and how does that affect my life? every single day? How is it going to change me? And so as you reflect, even through this book, you're going to have um, what I call it, you're going to have game-changing moments as you read where all of a sudden, and that's the other thing, I mean, grateful for the Holy Spirit who can take, 
the words on a printed page and make them come to life in such a way that it radically changes how you approach your day, how you approach to doing life. And of course, in this, we're talking about how you approach relationship with Jesus, how you approach relationship with, you know, coming alongside the privilege uh, uh, for those you have the privilege to serve and and encourage and empower and, and just come alongside. So I, I just, I just, yeah, that, that to me is, is so important that you will experience not just gaining a new knowledge, but then how to apply that knowledge. And I go back to this whole discipline, because this is a self-management issue in many ways, for me at least. You know, I look back to my life 30 years ago when I was diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes, and the doctor said, if you don't change your life, in other words, he was telling him, if you don't change your habits, if you don't change and let this really sink in and transform you, you will die. Hmm. And I literally had to apply the knowledge of what it means to eat the right things, the knowledge of the right exercises. I actually have to do them, apply them, and see the work change my life. And in the midst of it, when you at first you go, oh, man, I got to do all this. And how am I going to do all this? And can I, you know. But as you get into it and, and you apply it, then you start to see the results. It gets exciting and, and you want to do more and you want to. And, and that's what this is all about. You, as you get into this discipleship development and growth, you're going to want to do so much more because God has made you for so much more. So that's, it, it, yeah, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. And I think the concept of apprenticeship is central, but yet uncommon in the church is it's central biblically it's central when it comes to like first century culture understanding of being a disciple yet you know we don't necessarily use that language or think of it like that so i i think part of what we hope as someone journeys through this book is is in a way the the idea of discipleship and you do a great job with this caesar uh in your content podcast and writing is we have to deconstruct really what people think discipleship even is and yeah. it's not what most people think it is, quite frankly, you know? You're right. And not, we're not saying we have all the answers, and we're, you know, but it's like it, we have to reconstruct the right definition of it according to Jesus, according to the Scriptures, and relook at that. So we come in with an open mind. So, so to be an apprentice is, is to link yourself with a person, to learn to do what they do like they do it, and ultimately, when we're linked to Jesus, to become like Him. And so that's what apprenticeship is all about. So I imagine the day... And, and pray for and hope for the day when we're a church not just filled with Christians, we're a church filled with disciples, you know, that, that, that so-called Christians or culture Christians or casual Christians or, or non-Christians, for that matter, are actually moving toward what it really means to be a disciple, that they're really accepting the invitation of Jesus, that they've been chosen. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, you know, um, you didn't choose me, I chose you, right? I chose you. Like, I believe in you. I have a dream and I have designs for your life. I have a divine destiny uh, for you. I have a purpose for you. I have meaning for you. And if we really believe that, I mean, people all over, like every human is looking for more joy and more peace and more goodness in their life and more love. You know, it's like, well, they just don't look to Jesus to find it, but Jesus offers it. And so, yeah. like, that gets back to, like, like deconstructing sometimes for non-believers, believers, a lot of people— and then reconstructing the right view gives us a whole different way of viewing Jesus, interacting with Jesus, and then we start to realize, oh, what He offers us is something nothing else matches, that He offers us the best way to be human, the best way to live, 
and it's a path to joy and freedom and love and peace and so many other things. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. He doesn't just offer us eternal life, although he does, and I'm forever grateful for that. I think we all are. Um, he offers us something right here and right now to begin to experience in this world. Well, that sure sounds like good news. Like you might even it's call good it that's the right. good news. I, you're right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's beautiful. Well, as is our tradition, we like to wrap up every episode here of the Everyday Disciple podcast with the big three takeaways. That might be a little trickier today than some days. There was a lot of really good stuff in there, and I'm excited. I'm going to ask my listeners, can you hear the excitement coming off of Kent and Steve <laughs> for the book, but also just for the transformation that they really believe that, that God's going to do as you go through these things with others in community? So I don't know. Give me what you think off the top of your head. What do you think the big three takeaways from what we just talked about and disciple-making and being made for more would be if that's possible? A big takeaway for me is the whole thing is all about this is an opportunity to step into holistic living, holistic development in your life. This is an opportunity to grow in the image of Jesus. And it's a reminder of who he is and his love for you and the fact that he literally created you, designed you. Because you have a purpose, as it says, you are made for so much. And we lean on him. It's an opportunity to lean on him as provider, as counselor, as father. I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, discipleship is all about learning how to trust in him, learning how to lean on him, not your own understanding, but you're acknowledging him. And what does it say he will do in your life every single day if you do that? He will direct your paths. Yeah. And and that's what's exciting about discipleship. You 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 lean on him and your paths are are kind of ordained for you. That includes relationships, that includes the way you serve, that includes the way you just do life on a daily basis. And that's what will transform you uh, as the Holy Spirit works on you. What a wonderful yeah. first of the big three. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is oh, so good. What do you got? Number uh, two, I, I Steve? Number two, I, I would say discipleship is relational. And we separate that sometimes weirdly as that may sound, but it, it's rooted in our relationship with God, of course, but it's, it's community oriented too. And like I was saying earlier, it's like sometimes you don't even know discipleship's happening. Right. And I know yeah. I've been around people, you know, those people that you're like, that person resembles Jesus more than anybody else I know, <laughs> right? I've had a few of those people in my life, or, or they just resemble a quality, you know, and you find yourself maybe not even consciously acting like that. Or, or I've had a friend in my life who asked really amazing questions seemingly every time we were around, you know, we were, I was around them and I started to practice that more, not quite as good as them, but I, so it's like, it was relationally, it was a relational context that I was being shaped and taking on a quality that helped me become a different kind of person, you know? And so that that's one aspect of it. So there's two for there's you. There's two. All right. Third I one. Think, I think a third one is all about learning how discipleship is how we treat our team, those around us, how we lead others. It's important that we cultivate a heart of humility and service and make our main priority to genuinely love and care for and serve others as Jesus did. And we must remember in life, and it's the way God de designed life, is we, he works through people. And we must remember that we can't do everything in our own strength, but we need others. And this is why 
discipleship is so important to be a good follower of Jesus translate in how you care for others and disciple others. Great. Wow. That's an awful lot to chew on. Uh, I am very excited for this book again, as I've said, and I hope that people will take advantage of that and get the book right away. I know that there are some resources being developed for small group study and some goodies to go along with that and outlines and all kinds of stuff that's, that's coming along. I'm excited to be able to get that to you as well. You can download the big three as always by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash B-I-G three. And any links we have for the opportunity to download those resources, get a hold of those videos and all, they'll all be in the big three and also on the show notes for this episode. Um, also, you can get this book as of your hearing today by going to missiopublishing.com. It'll be probably right on the cover there, but if not, just go under books and look up Made for More, missiopublishing.com. As you know, they sponsor the Everyday Disciple podcast, so we're excited for that and grateful for their help in keeping the, the show going, and I hope you'll get that book. You can also find it on Amazon and pretty much anywhere books are found. So pick up a copy of Made for More. Better yet, don't just pick up a copy. Figure out a group of people to do this with and get yourself a box of those. So, All right? Yeah. Dr. Ken Engel, thank you so much. Steve Saccone, good to see you again, brother. I really appreciate your time and your hearts in all this and all the hard work you've put into Made for More. I look forward to all that God's going to do with that. I'm really excited. So thanks for being with us today. Blessings. Yeah, yeah. privilege. Thanks, Caesar. Okay, that was so fun. I think I could talk to those two men all day. Their passion for discipleship is both very evident and it's contagious. It cranked me, <laughs> cranked me up. I really hope that you'll grab a few friends or the folks in your small group or missional community and get started going through Made for More right away. Six weeks in community together, a little bit each day. You're going to love it. I'm really excited about it. And, and I can't say that about a lot of things, but this one really for sure. Again, you can get that book by going to missiopublishing.com or maybe even easier, go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash made for more. And I've kind of made it all one word, M-A-D-E, for more, made for more. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for being with us. I hope this encouraged you to go deeper into your lifestyle of discipleship and mission. What a privilege. What a privilege that we get to live this way and raise our families and lead our churches into this kingdom now life for God's glory. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.